Well, today we are concluding our series of messages called When God is Misunderstood. Today we're going to be talking about one last passage in Scripture where sometimes we can read a verse and we don't read it in context and we can misunderstand what God is saying. Hopefully we'll, we'll learn a little bit about that today from Proverbs chapter 23. I want to share with you though, next week we're going to be starting a brand new series of messages that God's been stirring in my heart for the last few weeks about regarding seasons of change. And Dave was actually praying about that just a moment ago. But we all go through seasons of change in our lives, right? Some of you are probably in one right now. And we're going to be looking at the life of Abraham and discerning how we can walk through the changes in our lives in a way that really honors God. So stay tuned for that. But as we get started this morning, let me ask you a, a question. If you could think of anything in the world right now and know that it would just happen because you thought about it, what would you pick? I know it's a silly question. It's kind of like genie in the bottle and all that. It doesn't necessarily happen, but just humor me for a minute. If you could think about one thing this morning, believe it in your heart, and it would just happen, what would you, just, what would you focus your thoughts on right now? Now, I asked First Service this question, and they went all Miss America pageant on me. They were like, peace for all mankind, all that. And then finally someone was brutally honest and said, I want to win the lottery. <laughs> so let me ask you guys... Just give me some responses. If you had one thing that you could just will into existence right now, what would it be? Peace in the world. Uh, now we got one of those as well. Okay. King, yes, change the North American leader's heart. What, what else? Healing from Mark. Healing from Mark, yeah. What else? Yeah. Anything else? So there, there are no sports fans wishing that the Arizona Diamondbacks would actually win one season again? <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, um, this morning, as we're talking about this stuff, you know, one of the things that I think about when I'm thinking about wishing or willing something into existence, I think about when I used to go to the county fair as a kid. And, you know, I would go to these things, and they would always have these carnival games everywhere, right? And they would have these humongous stuffed animals that you could win, right? And my eyes, as a little kid, they just get so big. And if there was any way I could will one of those into to existence that for me to have, I would totally do it. And I would just think about it and try to win those games. I never could seem to win one. I mean, things like that seem so simple. Like the ring toss, remember, where all you had to do was get this little plastic ring over this two-liter Coke bottle and make it stay there. But every time, dang it, it just seemed to bounce off at just the right second. Or that rope ladder that's at a 45-degree angle and you're trying to walk up this thing without falling off and you give it halfway then all of a sudden it does this jerk on you right and you're on the ground it always seemed like I was so close but I just never get there um it was always just beyond reach well just a few weeks ago um my family we were on vacation in southern in northern California we were at um California's great America and we were doing some of the kind of walking through this one section with all these carnival games and stuff and we saw the sledgehammer game how many of you have ever seen this one have you ever, any of you ever tried this? So we're walking by, and my son looks at me and is like, Dad, you can do this. Because he sees this humongous Pokemon there, and that was just like, he was riveted on this thing. He's like, Dad, you could do this. You know, like, all this time you're spending in the gym, maybe there's a purpose for it. You know? <laughs> so I'm trying to argue with him back and forth about why I don't need to be doing this, when all of a sudden this big hulk of a guy walks forward, and he just pelts the thing. And he gets the, the lights go all the way except to like one or two light bulbs from the line that says you win, you know. And then he looks at me and he's like, 
Oh, never mind. <laughs> the game was totally rigged, I promise you. But he wanted it so bad. I mean, if he could have willed that Pokemon into his ownership, he would totally have done it. And here's what he decided to do. He decided to study every one of those games in that area. And he assessed all of their vulnerabilities. And he figured out how he could win at the water squirt game. You know that one where you kind of keep shooting water from a pistol into this little hole? And he started winning Pokemon after Pokemon. He came back with like this family of Pokemon. His whole bedroom is full now of these gigantic Pokemons. You know? Like, man, why couldn't I pull that off when I was a kid? But the one that, of all these that I think is most rigged of all, and maybe you've seen this at the Carnival Games or maybe in an arcade, is the Claw Gang. Have you seen this? I mean, what is the deal with that? It always holds on to it. It's six inches. Six inches to that little chute with a little stuffed animal, the ball goes down. But it never happens, right? There's this one little girl in Texas just a few days ago. She was putting quarter after quarter after quarter in this thing, trying to get this ball, trying to win this thing. And she, every time she'd do it, it, she, it would just right at the right second, she'd lose it. And so she got really frustrated. And she's like, you know, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. I'm going to just go in and get the thing. So she climbs in to the thing. She had to have paramedics come and rescue her out of this machine. Now... When mom and dad found out where she actually was, she was so grounded. But the good news is, at least she got the ball. She was able to keep it. And you know what? As adults, I think we're just as bad. We're not good at not having what we want, are we? Many of us, we will quickly get into debt to get what we want. And some Christians believe that they can just... That they can, if they just believe hard enough, if they wish hard enough, they can will the things they want into existence, into, to, to their ownership. If they just believe, if they just have enough faith, they can make it happen. Did you know this? Oftentimes, people who have this thought, they'll even point this passage of Scripture, like Proverbs chapter 23, to rationalize it. And this idea, it really became popular back in the 1950s with a preacher by the name of Norman Vincent Peale. Norman Vincent Peale was preaching that people could change their outcomes and their futures by just thinking them into existence. He called it the power of positive thinking. Among the businessmen who would attend Norman Vincent Peale's church was Fred Trump, the dad of Donald Trump. And so Fred would, he was a New York businessman at the time, and so Fred would take Donald to church, and Donald was actually baptized in Norman Vincent Peale's church. He actually went through confirmation there. And he saw Norman Vincent Peale as his pastor. And if you listen to President Trump, even now, you will pick up on it in his language. Oftentimes, he'll say things like, we're going to win and we're going to win big. Right? It's that, that power of positive thinking. It really took hold of him as a, young, as a young boy. And today, a number of Americans and even Christian pastors believe that our thoughts can dictate our futures. I mean, you can listen to Christian television these days and you'll hear it all the time. Just recently I heard a pastor of one of the largest churches in America say this. He said, anyone can, cre anyone can create by faith and words the dreams he desires. Health, wealth, happiness, I know these principles are true because they work for me and my wife, even for finding a perfect parking spot at the mall. I had one person tell me in the service, he says, that works for me all the time. He says, I just will that the furthest parking spot in the lot is, is available, and it just seems to happen every time. <laughs> and I get the perfect parking spot. I get my exercise in every time. Like, That's the way of thinking about it. Another preacher recently said this. 
She said, I, I believe that one of the most important things I can teach you is that your thoughts are powerful and they will actually determine your future. You've got to learn how to think right before you can live right. God has a good plan for your life, but if you don't believe it, God isn't going to be able to do it. As Proverbs 23 says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Well, let's look at what Proverbs 23 actually does say. It says here in the King James, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. Now, does that make any sense to you? Okay, now normally I read these sorts of passages. Normally I read passages from the New Living Translation. So let's look at the New Living Translation this morning, see what it says. They're always thinking about how much it costs. Eat and drink, they say, but they don't mean it. Okay, well, let's look at the English Standard Version. Maybe that will be helpful. For he is like one who is inwardly calculating. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart isn't with you. Now, let's look at the New Revised Standard Version of this verse. For like hair in the throat, so are they. Eat and drink, they say to you, but they do not mean it. Now, what in the world is God talking about here? Do you see how easy it is to totally misunderstand something by just picking one verse out of a chapter and just assuming that this verse is all you need to read? It totally can screw you up, right? Well, this morning, I want to just remind us once again how important it is that we read in context. So this morning, I want to encourage you, turn in your Bibles with me to Proverbs 23. We're going to start at verse 1, and we're going to then see in what verse 7 truly means. See if this helps clarify things for you. Proverbs 23, this is what God says to us. While dining with a ruler, pay attention to what is put before you. If you are a big eater, put a knife to your throat. Don't desire all the delicacies, for he might be trying to trick you. Don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears, for it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. Don't eat with people who are stingy. Don't desire their delicacies. And then here it comes. They're always thinking about how much it costs. Eat and drink, they say, but they don't mean it. You will throw up what little you've eaten and your compliments will be wasted. Now does it make a little bit more sense to you? This is practical wisdom, godly wisdom from the book of Proverbs. And when you look at the book of Proverbs, we talked about this last week. Proverbs is just full of pithy sayings to help us think, practically speaking, how to live life. Just nuggets of of day-to-day wisdom. And this is one of those. And it says here, if a selfish or stingy person all of a sudden just decides to take you out to Ruth's Grill Steakhouse or to buy you this really nice gift, you have to be careful and ask why, right? Maybe it's a wealthy or powerful person, but it's not someone you really have a, a relationship with, and they're all of a sudden getting all buddy-buddy with you. And God's saying people like that, their hearts aren't really with you. Back then in the ancient world, people would share, when someone would share a meal with you, oftentimes it was a way to convince someone to be loyal to you. Rich people, kings and rulers would throw these lavish feasts to try to convince someone to do things their way. It's kind of like in our modern day, it's kind of like lobbyists, right? They'll, where they're luring politicians in with nice gifts or trips. Or here's an even better example. It's kind of like a timeshare, right? 
How many times you've heard, free trip to Las Vegas, all weekend, all expenses paid. All you have to do is attend this one little presentation, right? And God's saying here, watch out. Don't accept favors from people like that or you'll be sorry. There's an ulterior motive there somewhere that one of those, well, I did a favor for you, so, you know. Have you ever had this happen to you? I, I know I have. I've even had this happen at times, a couple times in my life, with extended family. And I'm like, oh, how did I not see that one coming? Right? The truth is, a person like that isn't at all the person that they pretend to be. They try to look generous and kind when they're really not. With those kind of people... This, it, it, it's not what they're saying, but what they think in their hearts that shows who they really are. That's what the King James Version is saying here. Or if you look back at the English Standard Version, when it says that kind of person is inwardly calculating, what it's saying there is they're trying to figure out a way to set you up, to lure you in, to get you to do what they want. And you have to know the person's heart first. So clearly, this verse is misused by people who think, well, if you just think something hard enough, if you just believe it hard enough, you can make it happen. You can will it into existence. You can twist God's arm and make him do it because you have enough faith. That's not what this is saying at all in Proverbs, is it? But let me ask you, can my thoughts influence my future at all? The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, to put our focus, to set our thoughts, to set our sights on godly things. Proverbs 4 says to guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. Romans 12 encourages you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right? Why? Well, I think there's a little bit of truth in this question we're looking at this morning. You see, our thoughts don't our thoughts do influence our futures, though they don't always dictate them. Does that make sense? Our thoughts, our thought life can influence our futures. They can influence the decisions we make, how we see other people, how we see God, how we see ourselves. But it doesn't necessarily dictate how we respond. That's the difference. What we believe, what we think, doesn't tie God's hands and make him do what we want. Though our prayers can move the heart of God to respond to us, as Scripture says. And certainly, what we focus our thoughts on can influence at least what happens to us down the road. For example, if I just start dwelling on a sinful thought a lot, if I'm thinking and brooding on this, but I'm not actually doing it, I'm far more likely to fall into that temptation down the road, right? Just by dwelling on it a lot. Or to speak of health for a moment, we know, we know now from modern science that our thoughts influence our bodies, medically speaking. One doctor who wrote a book just recently after years of research found, this really surprised me, 87%, 87% of the illnesses that we have at least have some tie to our thought lives. Think about that. Your brain releases chemicals that cause physical reactions in your body that makes your muscles tense, your heart speed up and pound, your hands sweat, all kinds of things. Our thoughts and our emotions can cause migraines, can cause hypertension, cancer, strokes, skin problems, diabetes, infections. 
even allergies, I heard recently. Our thoughts can shape our attitudes, determine our responses, influence our behaviors, and even our character. You know, there's a preacher that I've really enjoyed listening to over the years. Maybe you've heard of him. His name is Chuck Swindoll. And he had just some really good practical wisdom about this recently. He said, our performance is directly related to the thoughts we deposit in our memory banks. We can only draw on what we deposit, he said. And then he said, what kind of performance would your car deliver if every morning before you left work, you scooped up a handful of dirt and put it in the crankcase? The fine-tuned engine would soon be coughing and sputtering. Ultimately, he said it would refuse to start. And he said the same is true of your life. Thoughts about yourself and attitudes toward others that are narrow and destructive and abrasive produce wear and tear on your mental motor. They send you off the road while others drive past. Does that make sense? Our thoughts have the ability to influence our futures and the decisions that we choose to make. For example, your negative outlook on life, if you have one, will ultimately cause you to make decisions differently than the person next to you who always has a positive outlook on life. It's just the way it is. Two people can have a close walk with God, but one person's fearful thoughts makes them hesitate, makes them not follow through on something Whereas someone who doesn't have that fear might choose a different response. Take uh, Pastor Chris and Morgan, for example. We were just talking about them. They've accepted this call to go to Morocco and to serve there. And they did so without fear. And we'd say, oh, that's great. But how many of you, if God taps you on the shoulder this afternoon and says, you know where Chris and Morgan are going? I want you to go with them. How many of you would honestly say that your thought life wouldn't affect this decision whatsoever? Right? You know it would. But to be clear, our words and our faith don't carry some magical, mystical, supernatural power to just make things happen. Only God's thoughts, only God's words can do that. We see that in Genesis chapter 1. God, by his power, was able to speak the world into existence. Man, wouldn't that be an awesome power to have, right? He doesn't give us that kind of power. You can have all the faith in the world that you can do something, but that doesn't mean you can. It doesn't mean that God will do it either. God doesn't promise us in Scripture everything we want, but he does promise in Philippians 4 to give us everything that we need. And God calls us in all these things to guard our hearts. In Philippians 4, it says, fix your thoughts on what is true, on what is honorable, on what is pure, on what is admirable, on what is lovely. In 2 Corinthians, it says, be careful to take every thought captive that doesn't reflect God's view of you and what God's will is for your life. Why? Because your thoughts have the ability to influence you. See, my thoughts don't dictate my future, but they certainly can influence it if I let them. It can even lead me away from God at times, if I'm not careful. It doesn't mean we need the power of positive thinking. It means that we need Jesus desperately in our lives. True spirituality will always start and end with our relationship with Jesus, not through 
mental manipulation or anything else. Let me ask you this morning. When you pray, when you pray to God, do you pray typically for God to change your circumstances? Or do you pray for God to change you? To give you the mind of Christ. To make you more like him. I mean, if you were to be brutally honest with yourself today, how do your thoughts influence you? How do they influence your future? Are they thoughts, are any of your thoughts, ones that you shouldn't dwell on because they're not pure or true or lovely about yourself or about others or about God? Do your thoughts at times pull you away from God? Try to convince you to see yourself differently than how God sees you. What burdens this morning? What thoughts do you just need to cast off? That you just need to throw away to not dwell on anymore because you know deep down those do not reflect God's heart for you. Maybe you're here this morning and if you were honest with me, you'd say, Dave, you know what? I have thoughts at of times of others that aren't always all that positive that aren't always that true and lovely and admirable. Maybe you might even say to me, Dave, sometimes I have a critical spirit. And you have trouble seeing other people, especially certain people, the way God does. Let me ask you, what is God asking of you today? Maybe, maybe it's not others that you tend to be so critical of. Maybe for some of you, you tend to be critical of yourself. You can see positive things in everyone else, but when you look at yourself, you always see the flaws. And those thoughts that you have about yourself tend to influence your future. Let me ask you, what does God want of you today? You know what? I bet every one of us, every one of us in this room, we would all say that at some point today, there's a thought or two that we're going to need to take captive. There are temptations that will whiz throughout our minds. Feelings of fear or lust or feelings of bitterness or resentment. I want to ask you this morning to make a decision. I want to ask you to decide to take those thoughts captive before they influence you any further. Let me give you an exercise this week that I want to encourage you to try. I want you, and I'll do this with you this week, I want you to pay attention to your thoughts. I want you to pay attention to those things that captivate your mind that you get stuck on for long periods of time during your day. Maybe, maybe for you, what you might do is just a real practical step is to take out your cell phone so at some point this morning. And you know, you, we always have these notifications pinging on our phones all the time. I'm usually trying to figure out how to shut them all off. But let me encourage you to set one for yourself this morning. Pick some random times during your day, during your week, and set an alarm that goes off. And when it goes off, that it would say this one question. What are you thinking about? And see what it catches you thinking about on that particular day and that particular time. Or if you want to be a little bit more spiritual about it than that, here's another way you can approach it. You know, the ancient Christians used to call this the prayer of examine. Here's what it looks like. At the end of your day, each day this week, what if instead of going back to the freezer and grabbing that extra bowl of ice cream, or instead of watching that late night show, what if you found a quiet spot in the house 
and you just spent a few minutes alone with God. And you ask God to review your day with you. To think through the thoughts that you've had during the day, thoughts of your others, thoughts of yourself, maybe even thoughts of God. And just review those with God and see what he shows you about the aspects of your thought life that he wants to change. That he wants to make more like himself. What do you think God might show you this week as a part of just taking that simple exercise and running with it? You know, as I said, we can't think or pray things into existence by our own power. Although that would be really cool. (laughs) I would love that. I think back to the county fair and think, oh, I wish I could have done that as a kid. You can't wish the claw to hold on to the toy long enough to get to the chute. But you can keep your thoughts from holding you back. From negatively directing your life or your relationship with God or with other people. Because what you think in your heart, Proverbs says it reflects who you are. So what will you choose to think about this week? When you have those dead spots, those quiet moments, what will you choose to think about? Will they be pure and admirable and lovely and true? Would you pray with me? Lord, I recognize this is a very different message that we're bringing this morning to conclude this series. Lord, it's a verse, and there are other verses like it, where sometimes we can read them in isolation and not necessarily understand what you're trying to say. God, I thank you for the clarity that you bring from, you brought from Proverbs today to help us to see that we have to be careful how other people influence us when they're asking something that seems when, they, when they're giving us something that seems a little bit too good to be true, Lord, that we would just have common sense, wisdom. But Lord, I also pray that through this time that we've come to see how much our thoughts really do influence us. Lord, forgive us for those times when our thoughts, our critical, our negative thoughts of other people have actually affected how we've treated them, how we've responded to them, or how we've responded to ourselves and beat ourselves up at times and have low self-image because we don't see ourselves the way you see us. We see ourselves by only our faults. Lord, forgive us for those times when our thoughts don't line up with yours. And God, I pray that in the weeks ahead, even this week, that you would just constantly remind us, show us those moments when our thoughts are going the wrong way. And help us, Lord, to redirect them to you. Forgive us, Lord, for those times when we miss you. If you're here this morning and you're processing some of the things that we've been learning together, and you would say, God, Dave, I I hear what you're saying. I understand what you're asking here, but... I don't understand how to pray that. I don't understand how to have this relationship with God that you're talking about. I want to encourage you this morning. If if you have never said yes to God, if you've never surrendered your heart to Him, your life to Him, and allowed Him to take the driver's seat of your life, I want to encourage you this morning to allow God to take that test drive with you, to allow Him to show you how your life can be so radically different and better with Him in the center. 
Scripture tells us that God spared no expense, that he literally went to a cross and died so that we could live. And God wants to show that love to you this morning. So if you've never said yes to Christ, or if you've, maybe you did a long time ago, but you've kind of taken the reins of your life back over again, I want to encourage you to surrender those back to God this morning and pray this prayer with me in the silence of your heart. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this incredible place of grace here on Latoya Boulevard. I thank you, Lord, that you brought me here this morning to give, of you some, give, give you my best as I start my week, that I could worship you and remind you how much you mean to me. God, I ask that you would come into my life, though, and that you would change it. God, I ask that you would forgive me of all of those mistakes that I have made in years past. Those times when I have failed you. Those times when I have broken your heart. God, I ask that you would not only forgive me of those things, but as the scripture says, that you would put them as far away as the east is from the west and remember them no more. God, I thank you that you are a God so powerful you can even do that. God, I ask that you would Come into my heart and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Begin to to change me, to transform me, transform my thoughts, my behaviors, my perspectives into yours. Make me into the person you have wanted me to be all along. God, I surrender to you. And God, I'm holding on to you. I trust you from this point forward. In Jesus' name, amen.